0: Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Luke Holloway, editor of The Journal. In this episode, I'll be talking to Peter Blanc and Melissa Collett. this episode of the podcast, we're talking about the President's Theme for 2022, and we're joined by Peter Blanc, President of the Chartered Insurance Institute, and Melissa Collett, Professional Standards Director of the CII. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Here's my conversation with Peter and Melissa. Hi, Peter, and hi, Melissa, and thanks so much for joining us on CII Radio today. Morning, Luke. Hi, Luke. Good morning. It's great to speak to you. Peter, if we could begin with you, the theme for your CII presidency this year is going to be about uh, insurance and personal finance professionals meeting unmet needs in society with a particular focus on promoting the value of of advice. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that theme and why you chose to focus on these areas?
1: Yes, absolutely. So last year, Julie Page had the and um, came up with the theme of meeting unmet needs, and it was really fascinating in the light of the, the all of the business interruption problems following COVID, um, and with all of the societal changes going on around flood and climate, there are a whole host of unmet needs that Julie wanted to focus on, and I think we that that, that theme has got a long way to run. And the only emphasis I wanted to add to it was just the importance of advice. I think all of the drivers in society nowadays are encouraging people to try and shop around and try and look after themselves online. And even even healthcare has got to the stage where people are Googling their symptoms rather than actually going to see a healthcare professional. And personally, I've, I've long held the view that particularly with insurance and with personal finance, these are important topics that, members of the public don't understand. And if they don't understand the topic and they go online and try and self-serve, I just dread to think what the outcome is. And I think as a profession, we owe it to members of the public to encourage them to take advice, whether it's on the personal finance side, speaking to a financial advisor, or whether it's on the general insurance side by speaking to an insurance broker. Taking advice is the only way, to my mind, that customers will get the right outcome from insurers. We spent a lot of time talking about value in insurance, but the true value of insurance, unfortunately, is only normally revealed when there's a claim. And it's at that point that the true value of the product comes out. And I think at that point, customers that have been advised by a broker and had the proper policy arranged will get a far better outcome than those that have just tried to do it themselves.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it really is about providing that that guidance and that clarity to, as you say, make sure there are positive customer outcomes when when they need these products most. Yeah. Um, Melissa, um, how important would you say it is for the um, for the profession to clearly articulate the risks that the public faces and offer this guidance on how to, to mitigate the risks that there are?
2: Yeah, I think that. I completely agree with Peter on this that it the profession whether you're talking about the insurance profession or personal finance both play such a valuable role in society in helping people understand the risks that they face and having that expertise to help people evaluate those risks associated with their their individual circumstances or their businesses and really in recent years, as Peter said, there's been a trend away from people seeking advice. People have tried to self-serve, they've gone on price comparison websites. And you know, this may be appropriate for certain standard forms of cover, maybe for you know, certain things like motor and travel insurance. But when you're talking about more complex risks such as cyber or, or pandemic cover, I think there's an even greater need for advice. And I would say the same applies to advice about managing money and investments, particularly pensions. So I think we need to encourage the public to seek professional advice and encourage the profession to provide that accessible and affordable advice to those who need it. And that way, people and businesses are more likely to have the cover that they need in place when when they need it.
0: Yes. And, and Peter, returning to you, um, obviously, the last kind of 18 months to two years has been um, quite a crazy time that has shone a light on a lot of these protection gaps and a lot of these areas where people really did need the advice and, and you know, areas that possibly need more focus in future. Um, what challenges do you think the insurance and, um, and advice professions uh, are facing as we move hopefully beyond COVID-19?
1: Well, I mean, there are some short term ones. I mean, obvious things to point out that, as everyone knows, there are huge problems in the supply chain generally across society right now. Um, That impacts insurance in a whole host of ways, um, both on the private insurance side, making sure that people's valuables are insured appropriately, because, of course, lots of uh, um, lots of assets have, have increased in value exponentially over the last few years. And the chances are that people's insurances possibly haven't kept pace with the increase in those, uh, in those valuable assets. That's also true on the business insurance side. We see lots of companies where if they lost a vital piece of machinery right now, it might be two years before they could get a replacement. So it's a very, very different world now from the world that we were in a couple of years ago. And people have to make sure their insurances are kept up to date with what's currently happening out there. We then talk about flood and climate change, and people need to be abreast of what the latest risk management provisions are. If you've got a property that's remotely at risk of flood, you should be talking to your broker and and getting the best advice out there of how to protect yourselves. On the personal finance side, there are a whole host of um, areas. I mean, later life care, the, the importance of getting powers of attorney, the importance of getting wills, all of these things. These are these are ongoing problems that that society has actually, if anything, I think we've got worse over the last few years and haven't been dealing with these things appropriately. And of course, during the pandemic, people weren't meeting up. So the actual opportunity for advisors to visit was more limited. I think lots of firms have done really well adapting to new technologies, but at the vulnerable end of the spectrum, I know my mother has still never, ever <laughs> had a Zoom call. And actually, you know, she she does. She There are going to be people out there that need visits, that need advice. And I think it's up to all of us to, to get back out there and, and do what we're really good at.
0: Definitely. Um, and Melissa, how would you reflect on the last 18 months and what kind of lessons insurers and advisors need to take from that and, and some of the, the challenges and opportunities as well moving beyond um, the pandemic?
2: Yes, I think that as a, as a sector, as a profession, financial services has actually fared um, a lot better than other sectors during the pandemic if you compare it to retail or hospitality. And there, I think there are some really positive examples of of insurers sharing that benefit with customers such as Admiral and Bupa, who gave partial refunds of premiums to customers. Uh, On the other hand, other insurers delayed paying valid claims for business interruption cover until the outcome of the Supreme Court case. And that caused some businesses to go to the wall. So I think it's a mixed picture there. Despite all this, our CII's Public Trust Index shows that insurers have actually managed to retain roughly the same levels of trust as before the pandemic, but not improved it. So overall satisfaction levels were 81% for consumers and 79% for SMEs, that's small, medium-sized enterprise. For me, a key lesson is the need for more transparency, transparency in policy wordings and policy documentation. I think there's still an expectation gap between what customers think is covered And what insurers think is covered under the policy, and as Peter knows, because he was a very key part of it, um, the CII has taken steps to close this gap by forming the Transparency Forum and publishing guidance called the Transparency Guidance, and um, or the Transparency Companion, I should say, and. What I'm really excited to say is that as of last month, the CII, Lloyds and the LMA jointly launched a one hour learning module on product simplification, which is designed to explain the key principles of the transparency companion and how to apply it in practice and it's suitable for anyone who's involved in designing a product, and it's available now on the CII website. And we're also jointly designing a module on transparency focused on the point of sale, which we'll be launching next quarter. So watch this space.
0: Excellent. And we'll we'll most certainly provide links to to those resources as well, Melissa, alongside this podcast. Um, And Peter, that links very strongly back to your theme for the year that, um, you know, how important transparency is and how important advice
1: is. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's incredibly important and I'd encourage anyone. And I think this is actually mentioned in the transparency guide. There is a, a driver towards, because Our regulator requires us to actually to provide all of the detailed terms and conditions in in what we communicate with our clients. It's a real challenge trying to communicate complicated terms and conditions in a way that customers will actually engage. We all know that customers don't actually read their policy wordings. So just making those policy wordings even longer with more disclosure does not actually solve the problem. And that's where I think the advice element comes in because most people will respond a lot better to a simple Q and A with an advisor where they can actually ask advisors. so am I covered for this? And the advisor will say yes or no, or the advisor will say, well, Actually, you need to be aware that things like this aren't covered. You need to make sure that you do that in order to be covered. It's those nuances, the actual understanding of the policy that would come across so much better in a face-to-face or Zoom or telephone conversation with a qualified professional. So it's... That, that guidance, I think, um, is incredibly helpful. And we'd also encourage everyone when they are looking to produce written documentation to make sure that it's written with a sensible reading age in mind. It's no good using Latin text and legalese when actually writing to customers. One, one trick that I always use with with my staff is to encourage them to, when they're writing to customers, just imagine your mum is receiving that letter. If your mum would understand it, then you probably at the right level. If your mum would be phoning you up saying, what the hell is this person writing to me about, son? I don't understand. Then you know you've done something wrong. And it's that. It's just putting yourself in your customer's shoes and making sure that customers can understand what we're actually selling and why we're selling it and why it's appropriate, what is covered, what's not covered, and what this product will do for you.
0: Absolutely. And Melissa, would you agree with that? How important, you know, product simplification is, how important clear communication is and and how that eventually will lead to customers trusting insurance and financial services professionals?
2: Yeah. So when I I think of that, I I remember a colleague of mine I used to work with always thought about his mum. But I think that nowadays a lot of mums are are very... uh, very highly educated people and they might not be the right example to use.
1: Grandmother, grandmother, maybe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, for instance, my mother is a lawyer, so I think she'd be fine with policy documentation. But what I think about, it, you know, in the same vein, I know what Peter's driving at. He's It's about the reading age and and thinking about, you know, do you have an 11-year-old at home? Could they sit down and understand the policy and, and be able to explain it back you. I think that's a fantastic um, kind of acid test for whether your, your communication is accessible. So I um, I, I totally endorse what, what Peter's saying there. And it is all set out in our transparency companion. And I think that other things that um, we bring out in this new module that we developed with Lloyd's and LMA is, is the use of design. Design is key. If you have uh, color, if you have animations, if you have multiple multimedia you know not just black and white small print but multimedia using the, all the capabilities of apps you know great headings and and things that people can go into and make it interactive as possible i think that aids and and assists understanding no end
1: absolutely yeah, definitely. So, drop, yeah. dropping in videos yeah. Yeah, I mean, for example, you know, dropping in videos into when you're actually emailing a, um, a customer with a, with a piece of advice, you know, a, a quick link to a video explaining how sums are insured are, are calculator explaining what, and what average means, the importance of making sure your sum insured is correct, explaining what we mean by cyber risk management. It's all of these things actually getting them across in a way that's accessible for a generation that's being brought up with 15 second TikTok videos.
0: absolutely yes I mean it just shines a light on how important it is to kind of be inclusive and be very aware of these these nuances and how different people uh, you know understand information differently or how you know Peter you mentioned earlier about some people are comfortable on a video call some people prefer that face-to-face touch and it's about taking positives from the last 18 months and but also you know being open to to how different customers understand things Absolutely. Fantastic. And and Peter, obviously, you know, guidance is kind of changing. It feels week on week at the moment um around COVID nineteen and and um social distancing and, and the rules and regulations. But what are your plans as we move into twenty twenty two? Um as as you are our new CIR president and how will you be looking to engage with members?
1: Well, I, I think the, this year it still feels like the best plan is to assume that there is no plan or that the plan is go- the plan is that the plan will change. So it, it still feels incredibly up in the air in so many ways. Um, I mean, I'm accepting face-to-face invites and I'm really looking forward. I've been invited to, um, to speak at the Shropshire dinner and to the Liverpool dinner. So that, as I've accepted a, um, a couple so far. So my, my Friday nights for 2022 are gradually filling up. So I'll, I'm looking forward to engaging with the local institutes. I mean, yeah, one of, one of the, one of the really important things, I think, that will that will come out of the pandemic, yeah, the hard market has hit at exactly the same time as the pandemic. And as we come out of it, one of the ways that I think insurance works incredibly well is when brokers collaborate with underwriters. And that collaboration, the local institutes are a vital part of that collaboration. Because it's so easy. It's so easy for a broker just to send a presentation in by email and for an underwriter to to say no quote by email. And because there's a lack of understanding of the risk and that that understanding is really enhanced when a broker actually chats to an underwriter and they talk it through and local institutes are just great ways for brokers to meet underwriters and get that collaboration going so hopefully all of the local institutes will uh, will crack on with their dinner plans and, uh, and and all of their CPD and all of the all the training events that they undertake during the course of the year and and I hope to get um, around as many institutes as possible during the course of the year and also we've got the president's forum where we're um, we're meeting with uh, um with some industry leaders to talk about the this theme of of unmet needs and the importance of advice so there'll be a lot there'll be lots going on so my diary is getting a uh, getting chock blocked. <laughs> block uh, hopefully hopefully a lot of them will be face-to-face and we won't be uh, won't be locked down again
0: excellent yes yeah here's hoping and we'd certainly encourage members um now at face-to-face events are returning to um to get involved and find out where your local one is and and go along because peter you've spoken before about how important building those working relationships are and especially across different areas of of the profession
1: Oh, I mean, look, I can uh, um, I can I still talk now to regularly to underwriters that I met back in the um, back in the day. You know, Chelmsford, Southwest Essex Institute dinners back in the uh, in the in the early 90s. And, you know, and they're still knocking around, we're still we're, we're still uh, we're still meeting up. And those events are just a, I think that's just a great way for people, to, for networks to be formed. I mean, that's how that's how networks are formed.
0: Excellent, and Melissa, um, the CII also have the Public Trust Awards um, this year as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how they celebrate the work of the professionals across insurance and personal finance, and and how can listeners get listeners get involved
2: in those? Absolutely. And I'm delighted to talk about the CII's Public Trust Awards, not least because I have been a judge in the past. And I think it's absolutely amazing to hear about some of the things that our professional community has been doing to increase public trust. And not a lot of awards out there that celebrate this. And so... These awards are open to individual practitioners, firms, and also others working in the sector who make a significant contribution to raising public trust. Past winners include Martin Lewis, Johnny Timpson, James Daly, as well as organizations including Scottish Widows, Zurich, as well as the Insurance Institute of Liverpool, which uh, you mentioned earlier, Peter. And nominations are open at the end of February and winners will be announced at the CII's conference in June. Although, you know, dates may change, but that's the plan at the moment. And Peter, I, I hope you're going to be there to present. I'm assuming you will.
1: Absolutely, oh, of course I will, absolutely.
2: Brilliant. So folks, you definitely won't want to miss it. So I would encourage you apply today and if you think you've got what it takes to win this coveted award.
0: Yeah, it's, it is fantastic to see that, you know, um, these awards are given for, for building public trust in, in insurance and how important that is. And and Peter, um, any final thoughts from you about your hopes for your presidency and, and what you'll you'll be focusing on in the next 12 months?
1: Well, I mean, the first and foremost thing, I just hope, let's hope that we can get the pandemic behind us once and for all. I hope that we can manage to achieve all of the face-to-face events that people are booking up. I know it's incredibly frustrating for people at the moment, booking up face-to-face events and then having half the participants drop out because they test positive. It's kind of, it's a, it's a real nuisance. I hope that the the market will um, will at least plateau, if not soften. Um, I think the, you know, this is going to be a tricky year economically and insurance premiums going up at a rate of not, is not entirely helpful at a time when when our customers are all facing significant wage inflation and energy inflation and, and inflation across all different parts of the uh, of the economy. so I hope that we can be responsive to that and crucially I hope that the whole profession can join together with this uh, this concept of making sure that we are focusing on our customers and giving them great advice. Um, yeah, The more we talk to our customers, the more we understand their needs and the more we collaborate, both insurers and brokers, to solve those needs, the better and more relevant we'll be as a profession.
0: Great. Thanks so much, Peter. And thank you, Melissa. Um, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you both this morning. Thank you for joining us on CII Radio today. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. And thank you for joining us. If you'd like to find out more, you can visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at CII Group. So until next time, stay safe and thank you very much for listening to CII Radio.